Uh, there will be a quiz at the end, so I hope everybody brought a number two pencil. Uh, today, well, I'm going to be speaking um, about something that's near and dear to my heart, um, something that I think God put on my heart to share with everyone, which is how to have a heart like a child and why God calls us to have a heart like a child and why that's important. But my words will ring empty without the Spirit of God in them. So before we start, let's pray and ask God uh, to speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be with us today, that you would give me the words to speak and give us ears to hear God as we listen to your spirit, not to my voice. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. So Matthew 18 um, is about a year into Jesus's ministry. And during this time, um, he's teaching and he has developed quite the following. Um, You could say that he was the popular teacher. He was the guy to be following at that point in time. And like any celebrity, Jesus drew massive crowds. And um, coming near to Jesus and being able to have personal time with him was something that was very coveted. And uh, there was a time when Jesus was out teaching, and people brought their children to him. And he had a little child that came up to him, and he said, I tell you, unless you change and become like this little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And in the next chapter, which is Matthew 19, more people brought children to Jesus. And um, his disciples told them, no, take the children away. Jesus is an important man. He doesn't have time for these little children. And once more, Jesus said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And then he placed his hands on them, and he went from there. So this begs the question, God God is telling us that we need to be like a child. Now, there are certain aspects of being like a child that we probably don't want to emulate. Um, Children can be very foolish. Children can be very selfish. Children um, have the other... Flaws. So that's not exactly what God is saying. But there are things that children have that as adults we start to lose um, as we grow up. And the biggest one, I think, for the children is that children don't think they have all the answers. Now, if you have teenagers, you might be questioning this. (laughs) But I'm specifically talking about when you have very little kids, when they're three or four or five years old. And whenever anything happens, they come to you for the answer. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to come to him and ask him and say, what is the answer to this? Um, In the Bible, uh, I apparently didn't put it. In the Bible, several times, um, we are told that we need to not lean on our own understanding, but that we should acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways. And as adults, we kind of take that to mean, if I have a big problem, I need to take that to God. If I'm going to buy a house, or if I'm going to change my job, or get married, that I, that's what I take to God. That's important. But it doesn't say, go to God in the important things, and for the little things, use your own discretion. It says to lean not on our own understanding and in all of our ways 
to go to God. And if you have a little child, you know that this is very true. It doesn't matter what it is, they will come to you and expect you to not only have an answer, but to solve their problem for them. It can be as little as, I'm thirsty. Water's right there. But when they're really little, they want you to give them that water. Because if they know it comes from you, it's good. And we need to be the same way where we ask God whenever we have something. And he can give us the answer to that. A good example of that is actually in Jesus' own life. Um, When he was teaching, the Pharisees brought to him a woman who had been caught in adultery. And they said, what should we do with him? And even though Jesus was God, he didn't answer right away. Instead, he waited. He bent down, and he doodled in the dirt for a little bit. And um, a very wise man told me what he thinks is that Jesus wasn't writing anything important. He wasn't writing out, you know, the answer to life, the universe, and everything. What he was doing was he was listening to God and asking God, hey, what should I do? This was unexpected. I didn't know what was going on here. Tell me what's going on. Because he always talked about God as his father and he as the child. So we need to be going to God in all things and asking him. Another thing that little children have is a willingness to believe. Um, they'll, if you tell a child something, it doesn't matter how outlandish it necessarily would seem to someone else. If you're someone they trust, they'll believe you. Um, there was a time in 2 Kings when um, Elisha was basically in a situation where it looked like he, he and Israel were going to get wiped out. Um, the Assyrians had come with a massive army. They'd surrounded Jerusalem. They'd cut off all hope of retreat or escape. And everyone had basically completely lost faith. And Elijah's servant went to him and said, Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? And Elijah told him, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And if I'd been the servant, I would have looked around. Been like, can you count? Because I checked, and they have more guys than we do. But what Elijah did then is he prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And God opened the servant's eyes, and we looked out, and he saw a massive host with chariots of fire all around Jerusalem that vastly outnumbered the Assyrians. And and then he was able to believe because God had opened his eyes. So we need to be like a child to say, God, I am ready to believe in a miraculous salvation from what looks like a totally hopeless situation. Another thing kids have, and again, this does not apply to teenagers, um, is kids know they can't do things on their own strength. Um, As a teacher, my students will come to me and say, I can't figure this out. I need you to help me. And if if they do that, I can teach them, I can help them. But I also have students who are like, nah, I got this. And the ones who say they got this are not the ones who learn. They're not the ones who succeed. Because we can't do it under our own strength. In 2 Corinthians, um, Paul says, my, I asked God many times to remove this weakness from my flesh. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So God doesn't necessarily want us to be strong. He doesn't want us to think, oh, I know what to do. I can handle this on my own. 
He wants us to be like a child and come to say, I can't do this, I need help. And again, that's, that's in everything, from the big to the small, even if it's like, God, you know, should I buy this kind of flower at the grocery store or the other kind? Ask God and he'll, he'll speak to you. Another thing that little kids have is they are willing to draw near to you. Um, many times, I have been working with a student, and I'll hear a teacher, and I'll look up, and my student's face is right here. <laughs> there is no personal space. This is especially true for the really little ones, where they don't have the concept of, you know, maybe mom and dad kind of want to, like, be a little bit apart from you. No, they're right there, and they want to be with you all the time. That's how we need to be with God. We need to constantly be trying to draw near to God, not to step away in our own strength and our own understanding, but to draw near to God and to really ask him, God, be with me in this moment because I need you. And not to step back and say, oh, I got this, because every time we do that, that's when we stumble and fall. Another thing kids have is kids are excited about God. I've had the pleasure of teaching Sunday school for many years, and it's always fun when you're reading the Bible story and things are bad, like Jonah's just been eaten by the whale, and it looks like everything's going to happen, and then you ask him, but then what happened? Who saved him? And all the kids will go, Jesus saved him! And they're all excited to be able to talk about God. Many times, Paul talked to the churches and said, you need to be zealous and passionate about God. It's often talked about as a consuming fire that burns within our soul and spirit as we yearn and hunger for God. And if you have little children, you know that they still have that excitement about life. It's very easy as we grow older to kind of grow disillusioned with things. Um, Me personally, I grew up in the church. There was never a time that I can remember where I wasn't a part of the church. So it's very easy to look at that and think, this is just the normal everyday thing. I come to church 52 days out of the year every week. It's not anything to get excited about. This is just part of my routine. But just like little kids every day when they get up, they're excited to do what they're doing that day, even if it's something they've done over and over. Every day that we get up, we need to be excited to draw near to God. That doesn't necessarily mean that when you get out of bed, you should be excited to open your Bible verse and continue your Bible study. If that's something that you're passionate and excited about, great, but find time to talk to God and be excited that you're talking to God and be excited that you can spend this day with God. Another thing kids have is they don't have preconceived notions about who God is. As an adult, we have kind of a fixed idea of God. If I asked everybody to close your eyes and picture what God looks like, the first image that pops into most of our heads is either that image on the Sistine Chapel where you got God and he's like, yeah, big white beard, long hair, and he looks kind of angry. That's not what God looks like. The same thing goes for Jesus. If I ask you to close your eyes and picture Jesus, you probably picture Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's got, you know, he's good looking, got hair about here, nice thick beard. But again, that wasn't what Jesus looked like. In fact, in the Bible, there's many times where Jesus kind of just vanishes into the crowd. He's not, then nobody can figure out where he went. 
Because Jesus was probably an ordinary-looking guy. He wasn't a supermodel. He was somebody that we could draw near to, just like the children wanted to do. Somebody that you could sit down and talk with and share a meal with. Often when Jesus would go places, the first thing he'd do is share a meal with someone because he knew that was how they connected. And as parents of little children know, they are very excited to share a meal with you. Whatever is on your plate is infinitely better than whatever you gave them. Unless you're at a restaurant, in which case it's, you know, chicken nuggets and rice, and that, that's the only thing we're accepting today. Um, in the Bible, there are two people that Jesus said had great faith. And neither of them were people with the preconceived notions of who Jesus was. The people who did have the preconceived notions of who Jesus was were the people that he most condemned, the Pharisees. They were the Jewish scholars. They're the ones who had devoted their whole life to knowing who God was. But they didn't know who God was in their hearts. They didn't have a relationship with God. What they had was a book that was about this big, and it was rules all the way down. And so because they had that preconceived notion of God, when Jesus did show up, they didn't know who he was because they'd already defined who God was. The best way I've ever heard it described is we like to put God in our God box. You know, he's the old white man with the big beard who's throwing lightning bolts down for heaven. That's actually Zeus, which is a little off there. Um, And so we think there's only certain things that God can do. There's only certain ways that God can act. And the Jews were very much about that. They over and over told him, Jesus, you can't heal people on the Sabbath. According to our rules, that's not when God works. God works six days a week. He takes the seventh day off. Jesus wasn't about that. In Matthew 15, um, Jesus withdrew to a distant part to get away from people. Um, and a, this is Matthew 15, 21. And a Canaanite woman, it's also in Luke, sorry. Um, and a Canaanite woman came to him. If you know the history of the <laughs> Jewish nation, the Canaanites were pretty far down the list of the last people they would expect to either know God or get any results from God. But this woman had no concept of who God was, but what she did know was that God was with Jesus and Jesus had been healing people. And her son was sick. He was demon-possessed, and she knew that if she wanted to have him healed, she needed to go to Jesus. So she went to Jesus and she said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Or excuse me, it was her daughter. My daughter is miserably possessed by a demon. But Jesus didn't answer her. So his disciples came and urged him, send her away. She's bothering us. And so he went to the woman. He said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Because over and over in the Bible, Jesus said, I was sent to the Jews first. And her response shows the humility that God wants us to have as a child, as well as a lack of preconceived notions of how God operates. Her response was, Yes, Lord, and even the dogs can eat crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus said, O woman, your faith is great. Let it be done as you desired. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Jesus didn't do anything other than say, She's healed, and then she was. Because this woman had great faith. She didn't have an idea formed in her head of what God was or how he could do things. But she knew he could do things, 
And she was willing to have faith that Jesus could answer her, even though she was like a little child. The second time Jesus talked to someone about having great faith was someone else who, as far as the Jews were concerned, was like a child. They had no concept of what God was. They had no relationship with him. And it was the Roman official. Um, This is also told in Luke and in Matthew. Um, The Roman official to the Jews would have been the evil overlord. He was the one that Caesar had sent to rule over them. But he sent servants to Jesus and said, my servant who I love is sick. Can, you need to heal him. And so Jesus started going that direction. When the centurion heard about this, he sent another servant and said, you don't need to come. I have authority also. I know that what I say is done. My servant will go and do it. I don't need to keep supervising him. So if you say my servant is healed, I know it'll be done. And Jesus' response to that was said, I tell you, even in Israel, I have not found such faith. And from that moment, the servant was healed. Both those people were not people who had been in church all their life. They were not people who knew, what, knew who God was and what God could do. They were the outsiders. They were the children who didn't know. And they're the ones that Jesus said, you have great faith. And they're the ones who were healed. So if we're willing to take God out of that box that we've built for him and put our faith in him like a child, then we can see the wonder in miracles, which leads into my next point, is that kids are ready to see miracles. I remember when I was a kid, my dad showed me a fantastic magic trick where he pulled his thumb off, put it back on, oh my goodness. And as a kid, I was like, it's magic. How does he do that? And kids are willing to look at the natural world and be like, it's just magic. You know, how do bees fly? Magic. How does a boat stay afloat? Magic. And if you tell them, you know, Jesus, will, Jesus healed that person, they just believe it. Yeah, Jesus healed them. And as adults, we're so willing to find excuses as to why something was not miraculous. I'll, I'll have this in my own life, uh, where something will happen to me, and I'll come up with a list of reasons why it wasn't God's motion. Oh, they must have, you know, it was just a coincidence It was, you know, actually technology that did it. They're exaggerating. They were mistaken. That's not what actually happened. But if you tell a kid that it was a miracle, that it was an act of God, they'll believe it because they have faith. And as long as we want to explain things away and take God out of it, what we really are doing is preventing God from acting by our own unbelief because God said over and over again, you have to ask. If you don't ask me, I won't act. So if we don't ask and we don't believe, then God will not be able to act in that way. And that brings me to another point that children have, which is that children don't stop asking things. The, the classic one is, are we there yet? Where over and over again, the children will ask, are we there? Are we there? Is it ready? Can we do it now? And God says in the Bible, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking, and then the door will be open for you. And a lot of times, 
we'll ask once for God. Be like, God, I really want this. Can I have it? And we'll wait like a really long time, like maybe five minutes. And it doesn't happen. And so we're like, oh, it's not God's will. And we move on. But the Bible doesn't say ask, and then once you get bored, move on with your life. It says to keep on asking. There have been times where I've asked for something, and it didn't come to pass right away. A good example of that for me is um, I really wanted to go back to school. I had been out of school for a little while due to some medical issues. And I asked, God, will you make a way for me to go back to school? And I was very patient, and I waited at least 10 minutes. And I wasn't back in school. And my dad said, well, did you pray? And I was like, yeah, I prayed all night, and it didn't happen. He's like, you prayed for one night, and you think that's enough? You need to go back and do it again. And it took months of praying and months of asking. And then God did act in a miraculous way. I got uh, money that came basically out of the clear blue sky and was able to go back to school. And over and over in the Bible, you have people who prayed and prayed, and it'll talk about 40 days and 40 nights that people will pray and ask for something. I don't think I've ever asked for something for 40 days and 40 nights. At that point, I'm basically ready to be like, that's not God's will because I'm kind of over this. But God wants us to be like a little child and to keep asking him for the things that we want. And when we do that, then he is able to move in our lives and we're able to grow. Now, there does come a time in our lives where um, God wants us to grow up. It says in the Bible, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I act as a child, and then I became a man and put aside childish things. And Paul also talks about um, when you're a young Christian that you need to be given milk because you're not yet ready for solid food. And when you are ready for solid food, that God will open your eyes and you'll be able to move on to bigger things. But even as we do that, we need to not lose those things of continuing to ask, of having faith, of believing in miracles, and of continuously seeking God. If we do that, we have to go back to the beginning because we're not ready to move on to that solid food yet. When we are ready for the solid food, a big part of it is having that relationship with God. Um, a lot of us go through a time, and I know I did, where we think we don't need a relationship with our parents anymore, where we think that we are an adult now, and we can put aside what our parents have taught us, and we can simply move on with our lives. We have all the answer. It usually hits really badly at about the age of 15. And when we do that, we end up going through a lot of mistakes and trials that if we had just listened, we could have avoided. And it's exactly the same thing with God. If we tell God, no, I can do this, you know, you've blessed me, you've given me the things that I need in my life, I have money, I have family, I have a house, whatever it is that was our goal, and now we have it. 
we can move on. We don't need God anymore. And it's often in those times that we become the most vulnerable to attacks from Satan, that he'll come to us and he'll say, yeah, you are strong enough. You can do this on your own. And that's when we set us our, ourselves up for the biggest falls. And once we have fallen, just like a child, we need to go back to God and say, it turns out I still need you. I still need to have you speak to me and bless me. And without you, I really can't do this. So that's what the true Christian maturity looks like. It doesn't look like a strong, independent Christian who doesn't need no God, which is something that you see a lot with people, that once I have God's wisdom, I don't need him anymore. It looks like someone who is still willing to be humble, who is still willing to um, go to God in prayer and ask him to continue to speak to them and to give them um, the things that we need. And it's 10 till, and I went through my whole sermon. <laughs> so, um, that didn't take as long as I thought it would. <laughs> you won't tell Chad. Thank you. Um, I, I should mention I mostly teach young children who have very short attention spans. So this would be the time when I'd usually tell you to break up into small groups and turn to your partner and to discuss what it is that I just talked about. And then in five minutes, we'll meet back as a group and you can share what your partner told you. Um, but I, I think we'll... We'll skip that part <laughs> for today. But I, what I do encourage you to do when you go home is to be a good Berean and to test what I said. Um, I quoted several of the scriptures where they were, but I encourage you to look in the Bible because it does over and over say that we need to have the heart of a child. And I know that personally that's something I struggle with, especially staying excited about God. Um, it's very easy to become weary and grow faint. And when we do that, if we go to God, he will renew us, he will give us faith. Because if we ask to have the heart of the child, in five minutes we should give up and just move on. But if we continue to ask, it will be given to us, and we will have the blessings that God has in store for us. So let's pray um, one more time. Lord, I thank you that um, you are our Father and that you do speak to us today, that you are the living word that lives in our hearts, God. I pray that you would help us to continue to be excited about you, to be able to continue to see miracles every day and to every day draw near to you, God, and not be shy about it. In your name I pray, amen.